It's been a while since I've been here. Uh, conference a couple of years ago, and uh, been in connection with Craig and Trinity ever since. Before that as well, but ever since as well. You know, it's they must must have been okay. Me speaking at conference because they're staying in contact with me, so that's always a good sign, isn't it? It's so great to see you all here this morning, and I just know that God's got something for you. And so, you know, you know, sometimes we come to church and we kind of think, oh, it's another Sunday. And uh, but I just want to say, that, you know, God's got this is a special day for you. There's a reason why you're here. You might think, well, I'm here because we've got graduation coming up very soon, and so that's pretty exciting. Other others of you probably feel like you're here because you have to be here. Anybody have to be here? Uh, and uh, others of you feel that, you know, just wanted to come this morning. But there's a reason why you are here, and so I believe God wants to speak to you. Big ups to Craig and Trinity. I think they're an awesome couple, doing an awesome work here in Pukekohe. And their children as well, very much a part of what's going on. So great to see pastor's children growing up in the house of the Lord. And I know some have grown up in the house of the Lord and then grown out of the house of the Lord. And uh, I know that uh, that's not always uh, the ideal or always God's ideal, that's for sure. But uh, it's a privilege to be uh, seeing, you know, Craig and Trinity's children actually being very involved and Maddie, of course, graduating today from ALC, Annersbrook Leadership College. So I, I pastor a church in Nelson called Annersbrook. So that's where I'm from. Annersbrook means river of grace. And uh, so... Uh, we, we, we started a leadership college about 15 years ago called Annersbrook Leadership College, and we've just expanded right through the whole country with this college. It's been pretty massive for us, and it's a privilege to be here today to be part of the graduation service. Then tonight, I've got a graduation service back in Nelson for our students there. We have about 40 students at the moment. Uh, well, we did have 40 students at, uh, this year, and so we have a whole another lot coming in uh, next year. So it's a great leadership college. It really is a very practical college, very um, very much focused on internship rather than theology, although there is a little bit of theology that goes with it. So they are learning some biblical things uh, as well as the practical internship, which uh, I, I know that often with Bible college, I, I, I moved from Nelson to Tauranga for uh, a year to Faith Bible College up there. And... When I got back to Nelson, I became a youth pastor, and to be honest, a year at Bible college didn't really help me much at all with how do I do ministry. I learned some things theologically, but not really had the opportunity to really practically outwork some things, and so I, it was a learning experience for me. So I wanted to build a leadership college that allowed students to actually stay in their local church and to learn the practicalities of ministry within the local church, which meant the local culture of the community and the local culture of the church as well. And so it's been a great, uh, great journey. We uh, partner also with our government. <laughs> it is NZQA, and we also um, are, P are a PTE, which is a private tertiary educator. So a lot of, a lot of uh, paperwork for that to happen, which is not me, so I leave that to other people to sort out. I just got the ideas, you know, anybody like that got the ideas but don't know how to kind of like make it work, so you need team and you need people and that's what's so cool about church is that it is about team and it's about people and it's about family and we're all family, even though I don't know you, you don't know me, we are family and we are going to be together for eternity, 
So you're going to have to like me anyway, even if you don't. Fair enough? Okay, good, good. Anyone out there? Yep, good. Okay, good. I, I want to read to you a story that brings to us an incredible sense of hope, uh, particularly when we think about Christmas. Christmas. One of the ideas of Christmas is that Christmas is about hope. It's about Jesus, who is our hope. And so I want to just share with this great, one of the greatest miracles, I think. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I'm going to talk about Jesus walking on water. What do you, where do you think that stacks up in regards to miracles? I mean, we know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after four days. That's pretty good. God raised Jesus from the dead after three days. That's even better. Um, but Jesus walking on the water was pretty good as well, right? And I think there's some, there's some stuff in here in this particular story that I want to read to you from Scripture that actually can be very empowering for us. So really, I do believe God wants to empower us today. Uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, and we're going to read right through to verse 33. I'm going to read it pretty quick. Michaela's on for the first time today on screens. So Michaela is going to be awesome with this, aren't you, Michaela? You got, to, you got it sorted, right? Good stuff. Okay, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Here we go. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land and uh, being buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Good thing to say, isn't it? Anyone ever had to say that to your kids or something like that? Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. I think it's kind of cool. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of of God. And I know that we're seeing students this morning begin, uh, you know, graduating, done a whole year of leadership college. But I want to say this, that I think we're all uh, graduating. Many of us are we're graduating with life and how we deal with life, how we handle life. And sometimes we often think, don't we, that we are in a sinking boat, uh, a yellow submarine, um, something that we are is going on in our life where we just feel like we are sinking at times. And uh, just like the disciples were in this boat, one of the issues that they had was the wind was buffeting the boat. When you look at the word buffet in the dictionary, it's a very strong word. It's a very, uh, you know, it's, it's the wind coming against the boat. In other words, it wasn't just the wind, it was the water as well. And the water could have been actually coming into the boat. We don't know that for sure. But I've been in, I've been in storms. I've been in boats and I've been in storms and they are not fun. And water is everywhere, uh, no matter how big the boat is. And so I just, uh, we have the inter-island ferry. Anyone ever been on the inter-islander? Sailing on the inter-islander. You have. Anyone been on an inter-islander when it's really rough? You have. 
My dad, actually, we were living in Wellington when I was about four or five years old, uh, and the, when the Wahini sunk. And uh, my dad, I remember my dad rushing out. It was pretty exciting for a four-year-old to, to see what, I didn't really know what was going on, but my dad rushed out because he, he was in Wellington uh, with uh, his car and just had heaps of blankets put in the car and went out to help save some people. Uh, and that, but that was a pretty rough day, that's for sure. But uh, I have a 40-foot boat in, the, in our marina back at home, and we, so we sleep on it. We stay on it and sleep on it. One in particular, last summer, we got stuck in the storm at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I, th- I could hear the wind just absolutely going crazy, and the waves were totally coming, <laughs> coming against us, and I thought, I'm pretty sure we're drifting. Couldn't tell because, you know, it's so dark but I'm pretty sure we're drifting. So I got up and looked out, and surely enough, we were moving. And for somehow, some way, there's a lot of boats around us, we seemed to dodge all the boats, and we were heading for the shore. And so for four hours, we had, I had the engines in forward, just coming again, just nose into the, into the wind, waiting for it to get light so that I could actually see my way out of the boats. I mean, I, I got GPS, but that doesn't show you where the boats are, if you know what I mean. So, uh, so I had to just keep it in forward and not move and just stay there until, until, the, uh, until it got lighter so I could actually see my way, see my way out and back out to, uh, to find some shelter somewhere. So I know what it's like to be in a storm. My daughter was with us, and she was basically in the fetal position the whole time back in the cabin. <laughs> it, wasn't a, it wasn't a happy time. So, uh, uh, you know, they're just not happy moments. They're not good, good times. And I reckon there are times in our own life, right, when we don't have happy times. You know, but, but we're Christians. We're supposed to. No, we're not necessarily supposed to. Um, there are things that do come against us. Even Paul said, you know, we have, there, there are storms in our life, but there are also, uh, it's not flesh and blood we fight against. There's a fight that we're involved in. There are things that we are believing for. There are things that we're wanting to see breakthrough in. It amazes me how many Christians don't think they should have a breakthrough in their life. They want it, but they don't think they should have to break through. But they want a breakthrough. But you know to break through, something's got to break. <laughs> right? I mean, something's got to break. What does that mean? Well, most of the time, I've got to break. Most of the time, I've got to allow God to do something in my life for that, for that what I'm believing for to come to pass. And yet so often we miss the breakthrough because we, we give up. We don't, we don't allow God to do that work in our life. And the disciples, here, here they are, they're in the middle of a storm and they're being buffeted by these waves and, this, and this, uh, the, the wind and it's coming against them and water's coming into the boat. And what do they do? They stay in the boat. Why is that? Well, I think possibly because they knew of only two options. One was, we're either going to swim to shore, but you know that the scripture says that they were in the middle of the lake, which could have been actually a long way away from shore, right? <laughs> a long way from, a long way from uh, getting to shore if they were going to swim. So, uh, so they're in this boat, they're in a storm, they've got two options. One is either we swim to shore or we stay with the boat and sink with the boat if that's what's going to happen, all right? And uh, that was the two options. But it's interesting, and this is what Jesus does for us. He gives us another option. (laughs) Uh, Just walk on water. Just walk on water. Well, they'd never thought of that before. They'd never ever. All they knew was what they had been exposed to. And their exposure was, I'm either going to have to swim right now or I'm just going to go down with the boat. And yet here comes Jesus exposing them to something else that could actually be possible. I mean, look at Peter straight away. You know, he was bold enough to think, 
wow, maybe I could do that as well. Jesus, if you ask me to come, I'll come. And Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking on the water. I reckon with the storm and with the wind and the waves buffeting, I reckon he thought it was safer to actually be on the waves, walking on the waves, because that's where Jesus was than being in the boat with the others. And how often so many of us were in the boat with the others just sinking, when in actual fact Jesus is giving another option right now, and it is to walk on water. There's a miracle that God wants to do in your life. There's something that you haven't thought about yet that Jesus can do in your situation and for your situation. There is something more. There is always something more. And I want to encourage you with that this morning. Don't just stick with what you know. Don't just stick with what others are doing around you. But I actually believe that Jesus can actually do something far bigger, far greater, something different, something more. Maybe God's, God's got a different idea for you that will actually take you up out of that storm that you find yourself in, out of that circumstance and that situation. Maybe Jesus has an idea that actually you need to be exposed to, but so often we don't get exposed to it because when the storm hits, we kind of, you know, don't do much about the God thing at times. And for some of us, we don't really lean in enough to really hear from God in regards to the answer and the solution that he has for our life. And I, I think that for all of us, I, I think that there is something we need to understand is that G, with Jesus, he makes us the exception. In other words, I am an exception. I, you are an exception with Jesus. What does that mean? Well, exception means you're an anomaly, uh, an irregularity. Uh, you are a special case. I know most of us don't like being called special, but you, when it comes to being of the exception... You are a special case, an irregularity. An exception fits a description as how God sees and relates to his people. From the Old Testament right through to the New Testament, it is God's intention for his people to be exceptions, to be anomalies, to be irregularities. God uses words like salt and light, chosen, special, Set apart, anointed, beloved, peculiar. He uses those words to describe his people. That's not ordinary. <laughs> Imagine God, you're ordinary. <laughs> uh, you're just normal. No, there's nothing like that in the scripture. You ask, there is something about you that takes you from ordinary and takes you from normal and that is you are exceptional and we are empowered to be called people of exception so why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them i am an exception what that means then therefore that what happens with others should never dictate nor determine what can happen for you we are not going we're not saying that we are better than but we can say that we are different from, okay? That, that although we will go through the same experience as everyone else, we do not have to have the same outcomes as everyone else. 
God is the God of exceptions. The Bible is filled with exceptions, and we can be people of exception. The Bible is, uh, in every area and arena of life, someone is going to be the exception. Someone today is driving the furthest ever. In the whole wide world, there'll be someone today who is going to drive the furthest. (laughs) Have you ever thought of that? That will be an exception, all right? And we are simply arguing is why can't an exception, why can't it be me? Exodus chapter 8, Israelites are in Egypt, plagues are coming down, and there it says that I will, God says, I will make a distinction between my people and the Egyptians. In other words, it will be different for you than it is for them. Two chapters later, darkness is covering all of Egypt, except for where the Israelites lived, there was light. Could you imagine that? All of Egypt covered in darkness, and yet, except where the Israelites lived, there was light. There was a differentiation between the world and God's people at that time. And I don't believe that there should be any, that it should be any different today, that there should still be a differentiation even today. Why? Because you're an exception. You're an exception. Does not suggest that we won't experience what others experience, but it suggests that we can have a different outcome than others have. We may go through some of the same things, but we don't come out the same way because we can be the exception. An exception is not a denial of adversity and obstacles and inconvenience. It is not a dismissing of social norms, but it is a decision that I will not allow what is normal for others to define me or to imprison me or to inhibit me from being all that I can be. 90-year-old women do not have babies, but God made an exception for a woman named Sarah, right? Water doesn't part, creating a path of dry ground so that uh, people can walk through it from slavery to freedom, but God made an exception for a man named Moses and the people of Israel. You know what? Walls don't come down by people screaming at them. I know we've tried it often, you know, screaming at people and things and waiting for them to come down, but they don't. But God made an exception for a man named Joshua and the walls of Jericho came crumbling down. Birds don't feed people. People feed birds. And yet there was an exception for a man named Elijah when there was a famine in the land. Birds came and fed him. Dead people go in the grave and they stay there. If it's a Friday, they'll stay there Friday night. Stay Saturday, stay Saturday night. But in this case, case of Jesus, the Son of God, Sunday morning, he was gone, burgers. He was no longer in the grave. Why? Because God made an exception for Jesus. Right? And if he did it for Moses... And if he did it for Joshua, and he did it, did it for Sarah, if he did it for Elijah, if he did it for Jesus, then why can't we believe that God can do it for us too? You and I, we are the exception. I know what normally happens, but this isn't normal. I know what ordinarily happens, but this isn't ordinary. I am the exception. Right? 
So here are this, here's this opportunity to see what Jesus is bringing to the table right now in this storm and in these waves. And Peter gets up and he says, I want to be with Jesus rather than with you guys. But come on, guys, why aren't you coming in as well? In other words, here's a great question. Why did they still stay in the boat? Why were they still sitting in the boat? And I, I think that we could probably judge them, but we know we're not allowed to. So maybe I could just make some, some, bring some thoughts in regards to it, because I do feel like at times we are like them sitting in the boat. So I'm going to share some thoughts just in regards to what I think may have been the case, because I know what is often the case for me. Number one, I find at times that I can be sinking spiritually. Sinking spiritually. We can sink spiritually. Well, what do you mean? Well, we lose the excitement and the fervor and the, 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 the thrill of walking with Jesus, of being with him. It's, it's like we get to this point where there is a, our spiritual muscles weaken and we feel the other part of us, that self-sabotaging part of us. We feel that re-strengthening and reawakening itself. And Paul says this, he says, I die Daily, It means that I have to take the power of the Spirit and use the power, His power, to keep at bay and to keep under arrest that old self-sabotaging nature. So we can sink spiritually. In other words, feel the worst of us getting the best of us, right? Uh, secondly, I don't think it's just spiritually sinking, but I think we can sink emotionally. Sinking emotionally. You know where you can just feel yourself losing yourself. Bad times become bad days. Bad days become bad weeks. Bad weeks become bad months and so on. And we can feel ourselves losing the good that God has for us, the joy, the peace. And we just sit there waiting on the lifeguard to come and fix what only God has given me truly responsibility to fix. I can be sinking emotionally. And thirdly, I can be sinking professionally. I think this is a biggie for us. I know it is because I think in our, in our country there's about 75% of people who don't enjoy their work. They just don't enjoy their work. And you can be sinking professionally. You know you're sinking if Sunday night is the worst time of the week for you. <laughs> All right? If you're thinking about work tomorrow and your mood changes, then it is possible that you are sinking in your work. So let's not judge the disciples because I think there are three major areas that so often we can feel like we're sinking in. And there's a great lesson for us in all of this. And I, as I said before, I think one area is exposure. Uh, the reason why we're sinking is because we don't have any other answers, but Jesus does have the answer. Uh, we're used to swimming and we're used to staying with the boat and just sinking with the boat. In fact, so often do we find ourselves sinking because we uh, see other people around us sinking as well, you know, uh, the same thing going on with others. And so that we become part of that as well. If my family is sinking, if my friends are sinking, the people at work are sinking, if my church is sinking, if my school is sinking, then sinking becomes normal. So I live my life waiting for the wind to blow because if it ain't blowing right now, I know it will. Well, imagine living like that. Wouldn't that be horrible? Hey, waiting for the next storm. Oh, it's, gonna, it's just around the corner. That's fatalism. <clears throat> and it's not the way that the Bible tells us we should live. And uh, he has not called us to be subject to the blowing of the wind. Life will happen to everybody, but somebody like Peter who is prepared to walk on water will reframe seasons 
and reframe circumstances and say, this did not happen to me, this is happening for me. (laughs) That's quite a different way to think. I serve a God that is sovereign, and if he did not prevent it, he must want to use it. So Lord, have your way in me, for me, and through me, right? So I think uh, one of the things that the disciples struggled with was exposure. Okay, I don't know what else to do. I'm going with the boat. I'm sinking with the boat. And Jesus provides an answer for that. I think the other thing that we often find the reason why we're sinking in the boat is just we're, we're just tired. Energy is a big issue for us. And we've run out of energy. We've lost energy and we're just doggone tired. And we don't, we, we, like the disciples would have been in that storm for quite some time, and trying to row against it or whatever they did at that, at that time, uh, rowing against the storm. And uh, they would have got really, really tired. And I reckon there are people here today who are tired. The, enemy, uh, the Bible says if the enemy can't take you out, he'll wear you down. If he can't take you out, he'll wear you down. And thirdly, of course, is the one uh, the reason why we stay in our sinking boat is because of excuses. I'm making excuses for why I am where I, where I am. There are things that you may believe are possible that you stop believing are possible because somebody told you they weren't possible. Right? But they're telling you it's not possible for you, not based on what could happen with you, but they are telling you what's not possible for you based on what did not happen or what didn't happen, what did happen or what did not happen for somebody else. But the good thing is I can refuse to be limited by the limitations of others. Okay, so the reasons why I might still be in this sinking boat. Lack of exposure, lack of energy, and just excuses. All right? But if that's the fruit, then what's the root? And this is what I really want to hit this morning, if this is okay. It's a bit of a spiritual dynamic that we're going to do. So it's, uh, you might think, oh, you know, Brent, give me something practical. Well, I am going to give you something practical, but it is a spiritual dynamic that is very practical. Um, and it's, uh, I believe the root of, the f- of that fruit, uh, lack of exposure, lack of energy, um, those things, is because of apathy. So I'm going to speak to that for a moment. Apathy is the absence of enthusiasm, the absence of excitement, emotion, and initiative. People who are paralyzed by apathy won't take the initiative to do something about their sinking situation. Apathy has got a hold of your life. If you feel like you're in a sinking ship and you don't know what to do, often it will be because a spirit has come around your life called, uh, called apathy. And it has to be arrested and it has to be attended to. Apathy is the wound that gives birth to a lack of exposure, a lack of energy, and gives you a whole lot of excuses. There can be a principality of apathy, a spirit, an attitude that is pervasive in a family, pervasive in a city, and a people group that that has to be overthrown uh, in your life. Um, The exception we said before that we are the exception as the person who's willing to get out today of that sinking boat, saying, I see the pattern in my family, but that doesn't have to be me. I see the pattern in my city, but that doesn't have to be me. I see the pattern in my friends, but that doesn't have to be me. I will not allow my apathy to make me subject to a principality, but I can be the exception. Okay, so 
a little bit of background to this. So my growing up years in Nelson, there was 30,000 people in, the, in, in that city. 30,000. So it was very small. And it was known as the Sleeping Hollow. That's what it was, the Sleeping Hollow. And it was where people just kind of like went to sleep. There wasn't much, much of anything happening. Well, over the years, we're now at 87,000, nearly 90,000 now over, over recent years. And it has grown. It's become the fourth busiest airport in New Zealand. Uh, it's, uh, we have four to 600 flights going out every, every week. Out of uh, out of Nelson, it has become a very thriving community. When I took on the church in 1994, we had 80 people, and it was very conservative, very traditional, and we had a vision for a thousand people in 10 years. So vision began to drive something that was very opposite to even our own city, our own city with the Sleeping Hollow. And so what that meant for us is spiritually we had to come against the spirit of apathy to even be able to speak out what we saw for the future. And I want to encourage you that I know that you, most of you live here in this area, but it is growing it isn't what it was, and it's growing, and I feel like I've got a bit of a message for you today, and it's everything of what I've spoken to right, to right now is that we've got to deal to the apathy that we've had in generational, a generational thing, something that maybe we feel like we've got sucked into, even in our own world, and our own life, and we just take life, and we often say it is what it is. I want to encourage you, it's Pukekohe is not what it was. Yes, it is what it is today, but what does it look like for the future? And I know we're not all in favor of masses of people coming in. We've got traffic problems. You know, it's all right, though. There's cycleways being built. You can all bike to the CBD, Auckland CBD if you want to. E-bikes. Uh, all those all those scooters now, you know, the uh, Lime scooter things? Yeah, anyway, that was just a joke. Uh, but I do feel that, you know, today is a great opportunity to think about what it would mean for you to step out of the boat. And stepping out of the boat means I've got to deal with some things that I've felt complacent with. I've got to deal with some things, like spiritually I'm talking about, energy-wise, uh, you know, those things that, the excuses that we often give, come on, this is not, we, we, can't, we can't live in that any longer. We can't live with that anymore. And God, what does God want for your life? What does he really want for your life? He wants you to walk on water, but what does that look like for you? What does it mean for you? What is it that you need to break through in? What is it that God is wanting to speak to you about that will enable you and empower you for what's ahead? Because there is more ahead. I love what Brian Houston, Pastor Brian Houston from Hillsong always says, the best is still yet to come. You know, And you look at what he's achieved over his lifetime, and yet he still says the best is yet to come. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the best is yet to come. There is a best for you. And, and, and I t the way that you get God's best is by working through where you are at right now and the situation you find yourself in and working through the God thing in amongst all of that and actually allowing yourself to actually not make excuses anymore to get a little bit of energy. And, if, uh, and it could be a spiritual thing. It could be the apathy that's over your life that's keeping you doggone tired and lacking energy. Look, look, 
uh, I think Craig spoke to it before about being planted in the house of the Lord. Did you, Craig? You don't know. No, I don't even know that either. Why did I think that? I'm not sure. But, uh, but being planted in the house of the Lord, it says that you will uh, grow old. Yes, you will. But you will stay fresh and you will stay green. And you will, you know, and why not? Why, I think I'm more alive now than I was when I, when I took on the church at 30 years of age. I think I'm even more alive now than what I was when I was 23 when I took on the youth ministry of our church. And so I'm 54 now, by the way. And I feel more excited about what God has yet to do than, uh, than what I've even seen in the past. And I hope that, uh, you know, you can as well. That you, no matter what age you are, that God's got something more for you. And if you are able to embrace this idea that there could be something wrapped around your life, I know, let's not make an excuse for this because, you know, and all of that, I know that. But I do believe that there sometimes can be a spiritual dynamic that holds you back from really fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. Yes, it can be fear. Yes, it can be discouragement. It can be disappointment. Yes, it can be bitterness and unforgiveness. Yes, it can be those things. But what about just apathy? Could that possibly, you know, you might not have anyone to forgive. Yes, but what about apathy? You, you know, you, you might not be afraid. Yes, but what about apathy? Let's talk about apathy because that can be something that is just as big a dynamic as anything else and yet it can be so hidden because you don't get scared. <laughs> it can be so hidden uh, because it, it's just simply a spirit that can be wrapped around your life that needs to be needs to be dealt with. What does apathy do? Apathy robs you of information. It stops you from really leaning in to what God has for your life. It stops you from learning things. Oh, I just can't be bothered. That's what can take place. You don't learn. You know, you know when you have kids, it's amazing how often we don't learn. We just grow up with, with the kids. The kids grow up under us and we don't learn anything as a parent. Often that's apathy that stops us from learning because there's so much to learn, right? It's amazing how in a marriage we can stop learning and growing even as a couple because of apathy. Apathy will stop you uh, from learning what it is to be a great husband or to be a great wife. True? And I think that, uh, you know, we've got the exceptionist has this attitude. Uh, sometimes I will win and sometimes I will learn, right? That's how the exceptionist thinks. Sometimes I will win and sometimes I will learn. The second thing, not only does, does apathy rob you of information, but apathy robs us of elevation. There are some places that I cannot grow to because I don't take the initiative to believe that there could be more. There is another level. There's another plane. There's another place for you and for your life. And the third thing, I believe, is apathy robs you of your assignment. I've never seen anybody accomplish their purpose when they are under the arrest of apathy because anything that's worth doing is always worth fighting for and when you've got apathy going on in your world, you just don't want to fight. And so your assignment is never fulfilled. You know what? Your assignment will be hard. I can't, you know... My life has been an awesome life, but I've got to tell you something, it hasn't been easy. There have been things we've had to deal with, people we've had to deal with, things that we've had to break over our lives, things that we've had to really believe God for that we would never have ever seen in just the natural. There are supernatural things we've had to believe for and we've had to keep pushing through for it. But you will have obstacles and you will run into unexpected inconveniences that if you are arrested with apathy, you will not overcome. 
you will not overcome. And when we are staying in the boat, this is what we need to realize. We need to realize that someone is depending on me to get out of here. There are people depending on you to get out of the boat. And this is what I love about your pastors, Craig and Trinity, is that they have dealt with things that their kids will never have to deal with. They have broken through with, with some things that their kids will never, ever have to, have to break through in. Why? Because they've led the way. Their kids receive a greater revelation from God than what they've received because they've actually made a way for them to receive something greater. So my kids are the same. I've got, I got two children, Jared and Crystal. Jared's 26. He's preaching this morning back in one of our campuses. He's our, he's our campus pastor for Saxton and Nelson, and uh, as well as that, he's our youth pastor. Uh, and my daughter, who uh, is fully involved in 24-7, pretty much does that all week in our colleges uh, back in Nelson. And she's 24, 25. And, uh, you know, they love God. But it's amazing, you know, we came back, we came from a very conservative traditional background. And I feel like, I remember one time, uh, my 13, my son, who was 13 at the time, said, oh, Dad, it's just so awesome. I love kids' church. Just, you know, jumping around and dancing and, and singing these really cool songs and clapping and cheering. And I'm thinking, at 13, that was not me. At 13, it was like really dumb Sunday school songs that I still remember. They plague my brain totally because I still remember them so well and they will pop out every now and then while I'm preaching and everybody goes, what the heck? Uh, but, but there was those moments, you know, in my life that I knew I had to help break through because I knew that there was a next generation that was depending on me to do so. And so with God's help, being able to overcome the obstacles and to be an overcomer in those areas actually helped my kids, you know, for my kids at 13 to say, this is what, this is so cool, Dad. I really love what we do. It was an incredible blessing for me because we, we paved a way for that to happen. We made a way for that to happen. And I wonder what it is that your kids would say about your, their life today. Are they excited? Are they enthusiastic? Are they, are they taking on board the things that you've actually broken through in? Are they actually, uh, are they actually freer than you? Are they living better than you? Are they living life greater than you? If they're not, then you haven't broken through in something that you need to break through in that enables them to actually not have to deal with the same stuff that you've had to deal with. Amen? You with me? Pretty heavy-duty stuff, isn't it? I mean, this is getting intense. Phew, just take a breath. Phew. But I think it would be great to pray. And just to pray for some people this morning who know that there, there's something hanging around their world. That's, that, that's apathy, that, that kind of complacency, that thing that really just is holding you back and holding you back from being all that God wants you to be, holding you back from the, the truly the best yet to come, holding you back from really living life to its fullest. Jesus said, I've come so that you might have life, life in all its fullest. When you're hooking with Jesus, you know, you might feel like you're walking on the water, but hey, it's a fulfilled life. It's a fulfilled life. It's not a cup half full, it's uh, I mean, half empty. You know what I mean. My cup runneth over, the Bible says. All right, so I'm going to pray. Is that all right? We're going to deal to this thing. I'm going to knock this thing on the head.
going to get a little bit spiritual for a moment. Oh, is that okay? So uh, we're just going to deal to this thing. We're going to speak into the spiritual dynamic around our life. And, uh, and I, I think one thing would be really great for you is just to recognize, make sure you're recognizing or understanding something for you that you know you need to deal with today. Why don't you deal with it right now? I'm just going to give you a few moments and you can just ask God because God, you know, he hears all of us. He hears your prayers. doesn't matter what your background is or what your past is. He hears your prayer and he, he can forgive you. He can release you into a whole new season. I'll tell you what, God has got a whole new season for you. He's got a whole new season for you. There's new season yet to come uh, for you and for your life. And it's a stepping into it. You, it's not just going to happen by just sitting back and thinking it's going to happen. No, I'm stepping into something today. God is about to break something off your life today. Let's believe for that in Jesus' name. So, uh, Father, right now, we just give this moment to you. Just pray and just... Come on, everybody, just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. Just begin to ask God yourselves, okay, what is it, God? Here's my situation. Here's my storm. Here's the wind and the waves buffling against my life. I give it to you right now. I say, Jesus, would you show me what it is to be able to jump out of that boat and to walk on the water with you? Show me what, what, give me that idea. Give me that dream. Give me that vision. Give me that thought that it will empower me. I feel so disempowered right now. I feel so, so uh, locked up. But God, I know that you've got an answer for me, so I'm believing for it now. Speak to me. Show me in Jesus' name. And I just speak into the spiritual realm. I come against that spirit of apathy that's been in generations. That spirit of apathy that's been over the city. Spirit of apathy that's been over others that, have, that I've walked with and, and that, I, that I fellowship with and relate with. That apathy where they mock or criticize, where they, that apathy that, that's often revealed when they just settle for what they have and they're not believing for anything more. I just, we just come against that apathetic spirit right now. God help me to be the exception. Help us to be the exception. Help us to step up and to step out and to jump on the water and to be, become the water walker that you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus, we bind every spirit of apathy that's been around our lives for generations. In Jesus' name, we break its hold. We say it has no part in our lives whatsoever anymore. And God, we just thank you for your freedom. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you, Holy Spirit, you're in this room right here, right now, bringing something that is far greater than any apathetic spirit, but a spirit of enthusiasm, a spirit of excitement, a spirit of joy, a spirit of peace, a spirit of breakthrough, a spirit that acknowledges Jesus as the Son of God, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. Just with every eye closed, every head bowed, I just want to uh, give an invitation to somebody here today who has been disconnected from God for, for a long time. Uh, you might have you know, felt like you've made some kind of decision in the past, but you know that you're not walking with him. And I want to give you an opportunity, if that's you this morning, just to raise your hand and say, Brent, I really do need to give my life back to Jesus. I, I need to walk on the water again. I'm sick of being in that boat that's sinking. I need you, Jesus, in my life. I need you, Jesus, for my life. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I want you to be the one who truly does give me life, uh, life in all its fullness. 
that's you this morning. That's what Jesus can do for you, by the way. If we're prepared to submit to him and surrender our life afresh to him. Maybe you feel like you've come so far and you, you know you've got some, something further to go with, with him. You've got, you've, there's something that you know you have to give up today for him. And if that's you this morning, it really is a recommitment, a, a fresh commitment, a new commitment to Jesus again today. If that's you this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll acknowledge you've raised your hand. You can put it back down again and then I'll, then I'll pray for you. God bless you over here. God bless you over here. Anybody else? Anybody else want to join these two this morning? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Put your hand up so I can see. God bless you over here. God bless you over here. God bless you over here. This is awesome. God bless you down the back there, right down the back, and uh, there as well. Fantastic. 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 All right, I'm going to pray a prayer, and then Pastor Craig's going to come back. He's going to let you know what to do about this particular decision you're making today. He'll give you a bit of a process to, to help you with that. But right now, I'm going to pray for you. So, Father, I thank you for these hands that have, that have been raised this morning. We know it's not about an event. We know it's a journey, and, and by, uh, but at some point, we've got to make a decision. I thank you for the decisions that have been made right here, right now. And I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that you would begin to do a new work in their life. God says, I take out of you your heart of stone, and I give you a heart of flesh. I put a new spirit in you, a new spirit in you. Something different is going to be uh, about you. Something different is going to happen to you. As you welcome Jesus into your heart and into your life, something good is going to happen. The old is gone, the new has come, you become a new creation, a new creature. And we just thank you, Father, for the newness that you can bring in our lives. The old is gone. That thing that, that's been holding you back, it's gone. And God can do a new work in you, even today, in Jesus' name. Right here, right now, the miracle work of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come on, everybody. Why don't you put your hands together? That's pretty awesome. Amazing.